And my distinguished guest from the Middle East, he's from Persia, from Iran. He is Sheikh Alahani, Khosro Vasari, the Iron Sheik. Anybody that knows wrestling knows that it's synonymous with the Iron Sheik. All intelligent American, Italian, my Banzan, Iranian, all Jewish people, yes. intelligent Jew like yourself, they know about the Iron Sheik. They know who's the Iron Sheik. They have the, the from John F. Kennedy Airport to the Los Angeles, California. They know who's the Iron Greetings, mortals, and welcome to another episode of A Podcast But Evil. I'm Dan Oster. And I'm Doug Leaf. And today we have our very first sports villain from the world of wrestling. We are doing the Iron Sheik. Doug, are you thrilled about this? Are you excited? Totally. Uh, this is something really different for us. It's a real departure. Um, and there's very few, especially outside of wrestling figures like this. I was racking my brain trying to think of other sports, quote-unquote, villains from other sports. And there's just not that many. There's like, oh, John McEnroe was kind of a dick in tennis matches. But he's not a heel. Like He didn't literally go out there and try to get the crowd to boo him. Right. You know, things like that. So Although now that's uh, kind of uh, his identity in like commercials whenever he pops up but yes right right um but yeah i couldn't think of much else and we certainly have our, our share of athletes that behave badly in the real world but that's a different animal right altogether so right uh, this I'm is somebody whose who's, uh, whole persona is about being the bad guy and of course we didn't want to do this on our own we had to bring in an expert and i'm very excited to introduce our guest today he's an old friend of both of ours he is one of the first people i ever lived with one of my old roommates and still one of the best uh, yes. Weighing in at uh, 100 and I don't know pounds at a height of so and so feet, something inches, ladies and gentlemen, Danny Lampson. Uh, thank you guys so much. Thanks go, for that go, great go, intro. Go, go. I'm so- <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's get ready to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, I'm so excited, guys. So happy to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so glad so, uh, that you're here. And and you know, I just we. We've never talked about this. I mean, as, as much as we've talked about things, and uh, we're also, I should have mentioned that we're, we're both improvisers, and we w- walk in those circles, and yet uh, we have never sat down and talked uh, about wrestling at all. Yeah, wrestling has always been a huge passion of mine since I grew up. I guess the best, so in my high school with the uh, program I was in, is you had to do a senior project that related to what you wanted to be when you grew up. And I wanted to be an accountant because I am a huge nerd. <laughs> and so I did my my senior project. So I spent a year on this project that was analyzing the financial growth and success of, uh, at the time, World Wrestling Federation and uh, WCW. And so I did this huge, big project on wrestling. And then my personal essay for my college applications was about pro wrestling. Oh, wow. Okay, so you're serious about it. Yeah. I've decided that your patented move is the number cruncher. Uh, (laughs) Ooh, that's good. Uh, (laughs) So uh, I will hit you with these all night, but there was actually an accountant wrestler Ah. in the 90s. I believe his real name was Mike Rotunda. He wrestled under the ring name Irwin R. Scheister. Oh. Yeah, I know. There's going to be a lot of that tonight, too. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) But uh, the, you know, IRS, uh, and he formed a tag team with the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. They were tag champions as Money, Inc. Oh, wow. Okay, good to know. Good to know. So there was an accountant wrestler at one point. Yeah, I'm curious, actually, Danny, what what is the big attraction to you when it comes to wrestling? What do you like most about it? For me, it's 
watching it's it's a lot like watching sports in that it's people doing incredible things with their bodies that I could never dream of doing. Uh, I mean, just to get to look like what they look like, I could never do, or I'm not willing to do the, some of the things they do. Thank you. And then what they're able to do in the ring, I think is really good. And then the storytelling that comes along with that uh, as base as the storytelling may be, it's I think a little more than just regular sports for me. Okay, so it's a combination of, of the athleticism of sports, but also the drama and comedy of fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was this something that you, like was so big in your family, or was this like it was just your particular interest, and your parents could not understand why you were into this at all? Uh, my parents definitely were supportive. Like, you know, my mom would let me go. We only had two TVs in our house, one in the living room and one in her bedroom. And she, every Monday night, she would let me go watch wrestling, like in her bedroom. But like, they weren't, they weren't like, my dad was never like, son, sit down, let me show you the family pastime. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, showed me old, you know, NWA tapes or something like that. But they were always like, it was just, I don't know how I stumbled upon it as a kid, but like my, they took me to shows. Uh, I was just, (laughs) I just had this memory recently when I was like 13 or 14 years old, my mom drove me and my friend to the LA Coliseum and dropped us off so that we could go see a live wrestling show and then like picked us up at a predetermined location later in the night. So very supportive of my passion for wrestling. It was the nineties. You wouldn't necessarily get killed doing that. Uh, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. I, you know, I never got into it, but I had friends that were into it when I was younger. And so when we were thinking of villains, we're always, Doug and I were always in the lab, you know, trying to come up with new subjects for the show. And, uh, you know, I was like, okay, well, wrestling, there's like, there's a really great tradition of great bad guys in, in, in wrestling. But when it penetrates my psyche, that means this is a really big figure. So the first one I actually thought of was the Iron Sheik for the diversity and representation. <laughs> <laughs> No, but really, I, I I was like, I remember this guy. I also think that I remember that there is a lot of backstory there that's interesting about that persona and how it morphed and changed over time. So I was like, okay, there's probably like a, a, a cool backstory there. And then when we looked around a little bit, I just didn't see anybody that I felt like was kind of at that level that would be fun, at least for an initial foray into that. So the Iron... She kind of wins uh, for this episode. Doug, should we should we kick it off with what I know? Because it'll take two yeah, seconds. Yeah, I think yeah, we're kind of already there. Um, yeah. So, Dan, what do you know about the Iron Sheik without I mean, having done any research? It's, it's barely a segment today because I really don't know much. I just know that he was a wrestler by the name of the Iron Sheik. And I think, and Danny, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like his supposed nation of origin, you know, his backstory uh, kind of changed a little bit over time. I don't know if that's true or not. If they like, if they had all, oh, it, maybe they, they were consistent about it. Cause I thought it was, it, pretty, maybe it was pretty consistent. Okay. Cause I thought like during the Iraq war, like they made him Iraqi or something, but maybe that's not true. We'll get to that. But okay. Yes. Okay. That is like literally the only thing I remember. I also know there was a documentary. Did you happen to watch the documentary, Doug? He's got like a I big documentary. Wa- I did not watch his documentary. There was a, uh, uh, like a long segment of like, you know, kind of going over his history and his life. Um, not that particular one, but I did watch that as, as a preparation for this. And it was kind of interesting because, you know, in real life, 
he's such a sweetheart. Like, I want to be really positive about him because, like, he's just this, like, really just friendly guy and just very passionate about wrestling. He lives, he lived a very, or has, he's not dead. He's lived a very interesting life. And it's really only in the ring that he puts on this persona of being a heel outside of that. It just seems like, Oh, that just seems like, you know, you want to hang out with this guy. He's your dad's best friend. Uh, but what we can get into his uh, his history, he was born in Tehran, so he is an actual uh, Iranian, and he lived on a farm with his family. And I guess in the village there was a guy who was very well respected because he was an, uh, a very talented Greco-Roman wrestler, and he just fell in love with that. I should say his – I haven't even said his name. His actual name is Khosro uh, Vaziri, and he fell in love with the sport and just – that became a lifelong passion for him uh he competed in the olympics i believe he has an olympic gold medal no, no. he does not he i'm sorry he's ah. a coach he's a coach um yes. he coached i believe he coached the american team for the 1972 munich olympics and he has his gold medal uh, or their gold medal from that um i guess you get one as a coach as well and from there he sort of fell into uh, the world of professional wrestling and eventually adopted the persona of the Iron Sheik in the late 70s. Okay, well, that's the there's the broad strokes. Danny, how do you want to dig in? Yeah, so I'm really glad you brought up the Olympics thing, Doug, because that's one of the, when you guys asked me to do this, is one of the things I went back to double-check my knowledge on, because throughout his entire career in the ring, they always talk about how he was a member of the Iranian Olympic Greco-Roman wrestling team in the 68 uh, Olympics and that he won a silver medal or a gold medal or whatever they needed to be at the time. Um, he did compete. Is Greco-Roman to- wrestling like nude and all greased up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, long- but is, but is no it- that's like high, like high school, college wrestling, okay, like okay. that type right. of amateur athletics. I mean, so I know com- that, but someone listening might not, and I'm that's just asking point. on their behalf. That's a good point. He competed to be the under- on the Iranian team for the 68 Olympics and got real close, but didn't make the team. Then he moved to America, coached on the two U.S. Olympic teams, and also won a gold medal in the AAU tournament, uh, which is the Amateur Athletic Union. Or so, I, I might be mixing up the words, but it's kind of the highest non-Olympic wrestling tournament that's not college. And he got he won the gold medal in his weight class for that. Cool. So that is, but in his entire career, he's billed as this Olympic gold medal to the point where in the early 2000s, when he was inducted into the NWA Hall of Fame, they still were like, yeah, gold medal Olympic. And that's like, no, you're mixing up the character with the person. Uh, so it's very. It's so very they're strange. conflating the fact that he coached and then had this other medal. Like he got close to making the Olympic team in Iran. So it's just a slight. And then he coached an Olympic team. So it's just a slight hyperbole. Okay. Um, well, there's no place what, for hyperbole all, in wrestling. <laughs> that's, that's all wrestling is, is, <laughs> is, is who can hyperbole the most. You know, when I think of the Iron Sheik, too, I think of the fact that there's this like very problematic stuff all around it. Right. And uh, I think the show Glow, you know, that, that's all they <laughs> kind of like focus on in many ways with these personas, like how they're all just like stereotypical identities. So yeah, what should I know about that? With the well, what's interesting, it, well, there's two things to know. One, it's like Doug mentioned, he's actually from Iran, yeah, which is a big step in the right direction for yeah. wrestling. They have a huge history of billing people as from a place that they're not from. In the 90s, uh, Aldo Montoya, the Puerto Rican man of war, 
was a, was a, a, a white guy named like PJ Walker or something like that who uh, <laughs> you know the the great sumo champion Yoko Zuna was a Hawaiian guy. You guys just did an episode on uh, uh, Idi Amin. There was a Kamala, the Ugandan giant, was just this uh, African American guy from like Detroit or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was just like so. They're constant. So it's actually nice that the guy f- playing the character from Iran is from Iran. Sure, but you're right, Dan, and that they they are using his like geopolitical affiliation as you know they're he's the villain because he's iranian right so they bill like you know hulk hogan against him as like here's this american golden boy against the evil empire but you also have to remember that the iran that khazra vaziri came from is not the iran of the 1980s because of the 1979 revolution he would i think view himself i I mean i can't speak for him but i've known a lot of folks that were um iranian that got out of iran before the revolution and they have this very like you know kind of they feel like a man without a country a little bit because their home has changed drastically what that must uh, be like i have no idea um but imagine you took a cruise in 2016 (laughs) You got lost on Gilligan's Island and came back today. That's yeah. a little what it would little, feel little like. A little like that. Uh, it's interesting, mm-hmm. too, because the episode that we just released was the Cobra Commander one. And this very much feels like a G.I. Joe era view of geopolitics. Oh, yeah. This definitely is grounded in the same kind of uh, American exceptionalism that birthed G.I. Joe. And it's the same kind of like colorful characters right. in costumes. You know, there's definitely a link between those two. Worlds, and the naming sure. conventions. There's a that Venn diagram of wrestler name and GI Joe name has a lot of overlap. There's a big middle middle section of that. Totally, totally. If you can be Sergeant Slaughter, Sergeant Slaughter, who links them both. Uh, exactly. I sent away and had my. I got the Sergeant Slaughter action figure. You know, you, that, nice. I don't think you could get that in stores. Um, um, so interestingly yeah. enough, though, the Iron Sheik is not the original Sheik when he first started pro wrestling. And by the way, he was trained in the same class as Ric Flair, one of like the greatest of all time pro wrestlers. When he's just wrestling as a as a good guy, as a face. And there was this other wrestler called the Sheik. And someone kind of pulled him aside and was like, hey, you should like do something like that. Like be a bad guy. Uh, and you know, so he got the, the the curled boots with the curled toes, like a homage to kind of his home country, and just and leaned all the way in. His his gimmick is not the same as the original Sheik. The original Sheik was like he he didn't speak. He only kind of made like real, he was much like more meant to be like, oh, look at this scary guy from the Middle East. Like he just made just like grunting sounds and wrestled a much more hardcore style, which was like the Iron Sheik came out, you know, Iranian flag waving, got on the microphone and it was the simplest shtick in the world. He just got on the microphone and said, Iran, number one, America. Oh no. That was it. I hate him already. That was the bit. And when he was coming up in wrestling, it was very territorial. It wasn't as we know it now, which is like, oh, there's kind of one or two big, you know, nationwide global companies that present wrestling. It was super territorial. So someone of heel like the Iron Sheik would travel and just spend, you know, six months in a territory, like just cycling through all the biggest good guys and just doing that same bit every night you know it's like a, a comedian that just goes out and just right. does the, the hit bits he just would go out and do it you know and then move to a new territory and enrage a whole new section of of local folks who were just like wait a minute this guy 
no, you can't spit take America, you know, and so they just boo and hate. So this him is before him. he's on the national stage, right? This yes. is so he's. Yeah. I'm trying to think what the equivalent would be. It's I mean, it's the it's the same as the origin of wrestling, which is carnivals, which right. is just going from town to town and bringing your doing your same acts. You know, it was so territorial that they would have a, a, a title change happen in New York and not acknowledge it in another area because there was no way for people to know that. This guy had lost the belt up in New York, so he was still billed as champion down here, but not up. It was, you know. Interesting. Hey, I got a question. Kind of Why do they the call him uh, the villains the heel? Where does that come from? Ooh, do we not know? I mean, it's ba- so it's babyface and and heel. I don't have I don't have that. Uh, okay, well, hey, if our listeners know, you you guys should tweet us at podcast but evil and let us know. I would love to know the origin of, of heel. Yeah, I feel like it's like um, boot on your neck kind of a thing, but I don't know. Yeah. So, so that's how he, like, he came up traveling and, and, you know, Andre the Giant did the same thing. He would just, he was this attraction that would come to town. So he would just go to a new place and just thumbs down America. And he never really got super, like, there's this idea of the anti-American heel has been replicated many, many times in pro wrestling is still being done today. And at times it gets really, like, they get really nasty about it. And I, going back and I watched some promos re- recently, he was never that nasty. He was just like, I think we're better. Like, I think Iran is better. Uh, you we know, may like, be a little yeah, better than you guys. It was, it's, maybe yeah, it's it was, a lot maybe of like, just the pride. Tone. Yeah, it's pride. Like, he's very prideful about, you know, Iran's the best, rah, rah, Iran. And it's not so much we're number one and you're number two. It's just I'm number one. Yeah. Which is, it's kind of like it's like kind of innocent. His 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 uh, presentation of a heel. Yeah, it really is. So so he travels around like that's the beginning of his career. Is he's gaining all this momentum because it's it's it works so well. It gets people riled up so bad. And then when he loses, you know, he'll go back and forth with the main baby face in the area. And then when he finally gets vanquished in like a cage match or some sort of boot camp match or flag on a stick match you're just like, making always, these up danny I, no I'm not an idiot. nope nope all of those very real um then he they sound like the different kinds one. of like Fortnite tournaments and i'm not sure <laughs> yeah no i wrestling, I, uh, wrestling is the og Fortnite. a friend of mine um andrew i worked with he was telling me once about all the various types of setups and they're all very established and yeah uh they, they uh wrestling uh recently did i want to say like within the past five years did a punjabi prison match yeah, with another like kind of Middle Eastern themed character in Jinder Mahal that I just it's just like okay, all right, this feels a little, <laughs> <clears throat> this feels a little not this day and age. I'm waiting for um, that to happen on Twitter for like wrestlers to be like, I am sorry, I am stepping back from my role as the angry cannibal. This should be played by an actual cannibal. <laughs> an actual cannibal. Um, I didn't realize at the time. <laughs> I'm just waiting for those tweets. I know. So yeah, so that's how he came up in pro wrestling is territorial. And so his uh, and Doug, if I'm stepping on your uh, history lesson, no, no, I don't know any of this shit. This so is why you're here. To go. So he starts. So he starts gaining all this prominence. as like, oh, you can bring this guy in, and it works. People pay money to come watch him lose. And and so finally they bring him in to, uh, at the time it was the WWWF, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, uh, which, so the current owner of the WWE is Vince McMahon Jr. Uh, the WWWF was owned by Vince McMahon Sr., his dad. So they bring him in and he does his deal with their champion, this guy named Bob Backlund, who was WWF, we'll just shorten it a little bit, champion for five years. All on, his whole bit was... Look at this great athlete. 
Like he was an all-American uh, wrestler and football player from, I want to say, uh, University of Minnesota. And that was his whole thing was just like, he's a great athlete. And he would just come in and wrestle like he was amateur wrestling, but it was obviously all scripted and made up. And for five, you know, and they brought the Sheik in to just kind of feed him to, to Bob Backlund, which they did. You know, he lost to Bob Backlund eventually and he moved on to the next area. So when Vince Jr. bought out the, uh, the WWF from his dad, he was the one who wanted to take it national. He wanted to break the territorial like agreements and say like, nope, we're going national. We're going global. He saw the shining star that Hulk Hogan was. So Hulk Hogan had been gaining momentum in the early 80s but wasn't quite there yet. Like, so he was gaining this momentum, getting this momentum. And then like 82, I think he does Rocky 2 or Rocky 3. Rocky 3. Rocky 3. That was the so famous, was, and it changed sports history when you had boxing versus wrestling. Uh, no one had ever done that. Uh, first of all, false. Uh, they did, there, there are famous. <laughs> it was almost as big a sea change as when Rocky himself won the Cold War a few years That's later. That's very true. Yeah, that was a bigger uh, deal. No, sorry, no, they, Danny. Sorry. They, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry just because uh, I'm a wrestling nerd and I have to correct you. Um, they did a Muhammad Ali and a, a Japanese wrestler by the name Antonio Inoki did a boxer versus wrestler match. Like this happened. That's crazy. I mean, stars. I guess it's yeah. now that's just like ultimate fighting was like just anything goes, but it's just so weird. Cause it feels like the ability to punch somebody <laughs> feels like a real advantage. <laughs> and that's like always been the like prevalent theory is like, well, the boxer wins until the wrestler gets a hold of him. Right. And then it's over. Right. So, but anyways, so Vince Jr., who is now the CEO and chairman of WWF um, and a billionaire and very problematic as a person, he wants Hogan to be his star. So he goes to Bob Backlund. He's like, hey, Bob Backlund, you're this, you've been our babyface champion for five years. I want you to turn into a bad guy and drop the belt to Hulk Hogan. And Bob Backlund's like, double birds, no, not going to do that. I'm only going to drop the belt to someone with an amateur wrestling background. So to back up a step from that kind of statement, coming out of the carnival era and throughout the history of pro wrestling, before it became what it is today, thanks to Vince McMahon Jr., a lot of times promotions would keep a champion that could handle themselves for reals in the ring, a shooter, if you will who if something got sideways and someone decided to go off script, they could make sure that they didn't lose. And Bob Backlund's just the end of that era, that era of like, nope, you have to be a real wrestler on some level. He's not going to drop it to a bodybuilder like Hulk Hogan, who was taught how to do wrestling moves. Oh, well, that's fascinating, first of all. So he was, he's, it's like Armageddon, where you get the guys that are not astronauts. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah. drillers. We're going to yeah. teach them to be astronauts, uh, just so we can all understand. But I also think it's really interesting what you're saying is that sometimes people would go rogue. Like, so they're supposed to lose, but they just decide, no way, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. It happened, I think, a lot more in kind of the pre-my time of wrestling, pre-the 80s. Right. Um, Especially like, when it's regional. It's a, it seems like it's a little more likely to... Yeah. If, if, if a wrestler felt like a promoter... Uh, stiffed him on some money or wasn't treating him right or just was having a bad day like he could decide just like i'm not going to play along with this anymore and it could be like oh i'm going to try to change the, the outcome of the match or it could just be something simple of like i don't feel like making this look like it hurts tonight you know no selling the person's offense so like mm. you know someone does a big like reach back and punch him in the face and he's just like nothing like mm. that happens a lot and then they need, you know, they would want someone who could be like, okay, nope, we need you to get them down and make this end now. So Backlund was kind of the end of that era. And so they needed someone to bridge 
between Bob Backlund and Hulk Hogan. So who do they call? They call the Iron Sheik. So at the end of 82, they bring the Sheik back in uh, for to do this program with Bob Backlund and basically bridge between Backlund and Hogan. And they do it in this really funny way. I, I watched it all uh, in preparation for this. So the, the Iron Sheik had this bit he would do. So there are these things called Persian clubs. So imagine an elongated bowling pin, essentially. It looks kind of like a mace a little bit, but not quite as like weaponish. But it's all weighted at the end. So it's, it's, it's this very heavy balancing act. And he would bring these heavy Persian clubs out and basically say like, because I'm Iranian, I'm the strongest, and no one else can do this very specific exercise. And he would do these club swings behind his head with these very heavy objects and then challenge his opponent to do that, and they couldn't do it. And it was, you know, he'd flex and look, Iran number one. Um, so he comes and he does the, the Persian club challenge to Bob Backlund. And as Backlund's trying to do it, the Iron Sheik hits him from behind and injures him. And then in the match, like the injury aggravates. And so it's super, it's called protecting. Like they make Backlund lose, but never make him look weak. Like, oh, it's only right, because this guy this cheated. Under- yeah, exactly. So you watch that, that match with Backlund and I, I had never really seen it before. Like I knew all the history about it, but I never watched it. It is a lot of just what you would call rest hold. So they're just, he's just like would grab him and like hold him in this position for like 10 minutes and then move him to a new position and hold him. And eventually his neck kind of spasms and the Sheik puts him in his finishing move and he doesn't submit. The Sheik's finisher is called uh, the camel clutch. Um, (laughs) Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's That's what you use to shift gears when you're riding a camel. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's how you go from one hump to two humps. Yeah, you don't want to grind those camel gears. But the, the essence of the move is you're laying face down and the Sheik sits on the small of your back, grabs you under your chin and just leans back so he's bending your back in the wrong direction as hard as he can so with this neck injury oh backlands in so much pain and he doesn't quit his manager throws in the towel from the ringside like oh my my guy he's gonna get hurt too bad and like ends the match that's how backland loses the championship so they protect him on the way out because he doesn't actually submit he doesn't actually get beat it's all these circumstances right and this happens a, a lot when people get salty and don't want to lose a pretend championship. Um, Well, you know, if there's any major figure you could think of that maybe has a history in pro wrestling, if he loses in the next few months, we may see some sort of (laughs) version of this. Uh, You mean a wrestling hall of famer uh, as as our current president? Is is. he a hall of famer? Really? Mm, He is in the WWF hall of fame. Yes. Wow. Anyway, I, I, it's, it's a running joke question mark of like when I bring Trump in on this podcast, I don't want to lose too much time on him. Uh, this is a too too obvious of a connection to even spend time on. But, uh, uh, so, 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 all she- right, so Bob Backlund hands the belt over to the Iron Sheik. Hands it to the Sheik. And for about a month, the Sheik is the champion. And he doesn't really have fight anybody. He just kind of does fights local guys. And then Madison Square Garden, like January of 83, it's time for him to lose to Hogan. And Hogan's in a red American-made shirt. Uh, you know, Hogan's at the height of his like, say your vitamins, say your vitamins, um, say your prayers, take your vitamins, say your vitamins train and hard. eat your school. Yeah. I said, uh, do it, do it yeah. now. <laughs> I mean, Hulk Hogan's entrance music at one point was, I am a real, you know, the I am a real American. That was his entrance music. So like his perfect 
And then he Hogan fights the match like a scumbag. Like he jumps the sheik before the bell starts and hits him from behind. Is he going off script when he's doing all this shit? No, no. Oh, this no, is just the way they, they worked it out, huh? Yeah, this is just, you know, they knew Hogan was going to win. And like he was, Hogan was just so mad at the sheik, he couldn't contain it anymore. And people it was like going, he's getting revenge for what happened to Bob Backlund. Right, but nothing of. had ever actually been done to Hogan. So he's like he's getting cheer. People are like, yeah, get him, Hulk. Get him, Hulk. It's like, wait a minute, but he's he's the one who sneak attacked the Iron Sheik. And then like he he keeps the Sheik's like headdress on him and kind of like chokes him with it a little bit. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute, isn't aren't you the good guy? Shouldn't you be above these like hmm. low bar tactics? So they have the match. It, it it's the just, just so I'm clear at this point, like this is their way of transferring the belt to Hulk Hogan in a way that yeah. Bob Backlund was like cool with. Is essentially yep. how this is playing yeah. out. Okay. Yeah, Bob didn't want to do the job and lose it to Hulk Hogan. Got it. And got it. Okay. So they're like, this. He was just this bridge champion. So Hulk Hogan, you know, wins in classic Hulk Hogan fashion, which is just like eventually nothing can hurt him, and he just decides to win, which is the formula Hulk used for thirty years. Um, and it's only uh, a five some. Uh, it's between five and six minutes the whole yeah. match. Hogan doesn't wrestle long matches. So um, wait, is, am I detecting some criticism in uh, yeah. the Hulk's uh, narrative yeah. structure of his matches? <laughs> I mean, if you think, yeah, you know what? I have some notes. Um, <laughs> no, it's just it, this, the whole, the way a Hogan match goes is Hogan is very strong and he starts off very strong. And then for a little bit, the bad guy gets the better of him and like, Oh, Hogan's in peril. And then he just decides like, Oh, never mind. It doesn't hurt anymore. And nothing will hurt me from here on out. I win. Like, Are, that's the formula. For is it better to you when that turn is somehow motivated? Like there's a reason? Yeah. Or or just like, like okay, so if, if your opponent's working your knee the entire match and you're, sell, you're holding your knee like you're in so much knee pain, just hobble a little bit. Just give me a little like, ah, man, it hurts, but I'm fighting through right. it. You know, like I'm still able to do it. But man, that still hurts from earlier. Hogan was just like, he would literally shake his head and wag his finger like no more. Uh, and that was the end. And then he would, you know, punch you a few times and hit his two moves and you were done. Um, it was interesting. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, so in watching that segment, the interviews with the iron cheek, when he talked about that match, he's very much like, he talks about it. Like, you know, he was robbed, you know, that, that, uh, Hogan <laughs> didn't deserve to win it to this day. Like he still, you know, I'm think that interview was in 2003 or four. So and we, there's, there's a whole segment of this podcast. That's going to be iron Sheik interviews post the year 2000. Cause <laughs> that's a whole different segment of this guy's career. Um, yeah. So that's it. So he was like, he has the, holds this big place in history because Hulk Hogan is the biggest star wrestling's ever had maybe next to the rock. And the, he was the guy who like handed, like, here you go, Hulk. Take wrestling to places it's never been before. So that's a pretty interesting place in history for him. And he pals around after that. He never quite hits that height again. He is responsible. There's a funny story. So he's late 80s. He's in a program with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who basically just his whole shtick was, I have an American flag and I and a two by four. Those are the things he came to the ring with, a flag and a two by four. A and little bit just, of a misdirect with the name. Yeah, <laughs> and then would just give a thumbs up and go, ho, that was it. So it's there, simple. You know, I like it. It's elegant. Yeah. He's, he's very pro-America and he's in a program <laughs> with would. the Sheik. Yeah. And what? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he's now a, a senator. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And so they get pulled over to the 80s. So they're good guy and bad guy, like at each other's throats. But, you know, backstage, they're all friends. So they would travel together. They get pulled over by the cops. 
And Duggan has a bunch of weed on him and the Sheik has a bunch of coke on him. And so they get arrested and it makes news about like, oh, two wrestlers traveling together. Uh, Axel, you know, and everyone's like, wait, but but he's a good guy and he's a bad guy. Like this was this was before uh, kayfabe was really broken. Sorry, what's that, ter- is, what's that term there? Uh, sorry, I'm wrestling nerding on you. Uh, kayfabe is the term that they use to talk about the reality inside the wrestling ring and arena that they create. Um, it stems from the carnivals. That was their code word for, hey, don't pretend you know me. There are audience members around. And so now it's the term they use to just talk about like, okay, so these two guys are kayfabe brothers. So that means they're brothers in the wrestling universe, but not in real life. Mm-hmm. But this was the first like Can I ask if break. you know, and I don't want to put you on the spot again, but I kind of have to, the origin of that term, like what it, kayfabe, like the, breaking it down, etymology of it? I, I, I don't know about it. It sounds almost pig Latinish to the word fake. Right, right. To me, but oh, that could just, okay, yeah. Maybe the whole point of it is it doesn't mean anything to anybody but us. Yeah, exactly. So that was the code word, but they had broken that code. So both, both of them just kind of like fell down in their career. I mean, Hacksaw oh, wow. eventually kind of, yeah, but they were really pissed. Like, they exposed now, if the business. the only person had been holding was the Iron Sheik, it would have been like, good work. Yeah, Hacksaw was driving him to the police. It was a wrestler's arrest. It's a, this is a little-known law. <laughs> I liked it in the 80s that his tag team partner was, what's his name, Volkov. Um, Nikolai Volkov, yeah. Nikolai Vol- so you have, like... You know, the evil axis of Iran and the Soviet Union together in the ring. Like, it's, again, playing on that geopolitical uh, stereotype as if we're, you know, we're playing that out in I really in honestly wish we could solve our international disputes this way. I don't think, I mean, it's as <laughs> arbitrary as anything else, you know, let's just do it. But we'll, yeah. we'll never see that glorious future, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, so Dan, you spoke to when he was billed as from Kuwait and you're not far off. Or Kuwait um, or whatever it was. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm remembering this like from when it was happening. So I was a kid, but I thought that there was some fudging that had happened or yeah. What was the story so there? What happened was, was uh, they turned Sergeant Slaughter, who you referenced earlier for his G.I. Joe crossover. They turned him heel by making him a Iraqi sympathizer during the, the Kuwait invasion. He was that, like, by the like, way, you know. the amount of contorting required for someone to be an Iraqi sympathizer. Like, no, these guys, are, I think they're going to pull it out. <laughs> it was so. so the Saddam guy is going places. Yeah, I want to be on the winning team. I'm sorry. I, I don't remember exactly like his talking points, you know, <laughs> for his rhetoric. A lot of late that. nights with him and his writers. I mean, like, guys, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> Did they have to also have his character on G.I. Joe cross over to Cobra to make it match? <laughs> oh, it was clearly a Dr. Mindbender plot. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was it was Zartan with one of his masks pulled over his face. It wasn't yeah, actually exactly. Sergeant Slaughter. Um, so, so, yeah, they turn Sergeant Slaughter heel and they bring back the Iron Sheik, but under a different name. Uh, they call him Colonel Mustafa. Okay. Uh, and uh, and there was someone there was like a third guy in their ring, but he was really more of a manager at that point. He didn't wrestle very much. He was just there to kind of wave the Iraqi flag and give I don't know a backdrop to this. Uh, large <laughs> I white love. Guy. I mean, we could go on. We really could do a whole separate like series of podcasts on a rich history of wrestling. And I'm I, this always happens, of course, with our it's kind of a, a weakness of our terrible podcast that we only have so much uh, time to cover these things. But the managers, I always think that's a funny thing too. Like, is it just so you get one other goofy character? A lot of times what it is, is they put a manager with a wrestler who can't talk. 
so, I mean, meaning like not literally, but like they don't do good microphone work. They don't cut good promos. They got stumble it. over their got words. It. So they'll give someone a manager to be basically their voice. Ah, that they makes a lot of sense. They basically want like, yeah, like a Frankenstein monster to go, you know, and then so to give that a voice, they'll have a. He goes, oh boy, Frankenstein's gonna beat you up. Going, oh man, my guy, Frankenstein. Your your Harvey Whippleman impression is very good. Um, I think I sound like uh, uh, was it uh, Mr. Poopy Butthole? (laughs) (laughs) Oh wow, oh boy. Okay, cool. I can't wait for a wrestler to steal that name. I want to know that wrestling gimmick. Oh, that's a Rick and Morty thing, Mr. Poopy oh, Bottle. I, no, but I, I know, I know. I'm very oh, they, Okay, they appropriate, they would, I guess they have, there's been weird stuff too where like the like copyright questions that seem to come up sometimes with some of these characters. Like I remember the weirdest one that I remember, not to get us too far away from the Iron Sheik, but wasn't there a guy who like took on like The Crow, that weird like Brandon Lee movie? Like Sting, yeah. he became Sting, oh, yeah. but he was like. Yeah, you're talking about Sting in circa like 1998. Yeah. 798. I just said that it's such a weird property to pick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, a, also, with there already being a very famous person named Sting, who is not at all like a wrestler. I, fun fact, speaking of Sting, I watched, when I was watched, looking for videos of Iron Sheik doing the club demonstration, I found one of him and Sting from a program they did in WCW in the late 80s. You mean Sting um, the wrestler, not Sting the singer? Yeah, yeah, Sting the wrestler. Actually, while uh, we're on the subject, Danny, really quickly, do you have like some favorite gimmicks or personas beyond this Like that you're just like, oh, these are, are weird or notable? You know, they're like, well, that's an odd choice. Oh, my God, there are so. I mean, the 90s in WWF alone are littered with them. Uh, I'm going to try to just speed round this. There is Doink the Clown. I remember Doink. <laughs> evil wrestling clown. He uh, was created so that I would pick him in video games. I was like, well, I'm going yes, Doink. exactly. <laughs> there was Duke the Dumpster Drossy, who was a wrestling garbage man. There was Phineas P. Godwin, a wrestling hog farmer. Big boss man who was a wrestling sheriff, like police officer, who would handcuff people to the ropes and then use a nightstick and beat them with it. I love love, like the world where it's like, I'm a wrestler, but then I also have a nine to five. (laughs) There was all these guys who showed There was a repo man in the early 90s who basically dressed like the Hamburglar and would just skulk out to the ring, wrestle and then steal something from his opponent. Oh, man. Uh, I want to do the sketch where people, everyone's like trying to do their job at like the post office and then like the mailman comes in. <laughs> <and it's> like, <laughs> oh, I got to um, do my job. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's a ton of them. That's but yeah, so I just good. remember whatever that sting bit was. It was just like such a, it's like to pick this strange movie that like wasn't a hit that the lead actor died during making. <laughs> there's just so many reasons to not pick it. And it was like, yeah, let's do that one. You know, that I don't is, know. that is so pro wrestling though. It's just like, there's no second <laughs> meeting there's no thought behind it it's just like hey what about this thing yeah sure okay (laughs) yeah we got throw it at the wall hey there's no bad ideas guys and that sting it's really the improv character really stuck like that was a big hit i remember that as a teenager like i was i was like yeah man so it's cool so danny maybe you can help fill in here so you talked about the the uh camel uh, clutch. Camel clutch. Uh, did the Iron Sheik have any other like signature things around him? You, the, the, there was the clubs, that move, anything else that kind of uh, was his IP, as it were? Yeah, no, he wrestled a very 
kind of like grappling Greco-Roman style, as was his background. He was always billed as this great amateur wrestler, like no matter what throughout his entire career. It was like, oh, so it was a lot of like what would you would think looks like real wrestling holds and things like that. Like, oh, wow, he's really stretching him out or a lot of like, oh, he, you know, he'd pull your two arms back and make it look like he was stretching your shoulders back real far, or, you know, kind of like half submission holds and things like that. I mean, in, in the Hogan match, he gets Hogan in a Boston Crab, which is another submission type finisher for other people. So like, you know, he was that style of like kind of mixing in these grappling and, oh, wow, that looks like it could hurt if someone wanted to hurt you in that position. Talk a little bit about what happened sort of as we get into the 2000s, because by this point, we should mention he was born in 1942. So by 2000, he's 58 years old. He's, He's a little past his prime to be wrestling and he's still doing it. So tell me a little bit about that era. So... A lot of people, and I'm surprised this wasn't what you know about the Iron Sheik, Dan. A lot of people found out about the Iron Sheik because he went on, he came back into prominence by doing these very drunken, very foul-languaged uh, inter- series of interviews. Uh, he, he did a couple, they, they call them shoot interviews, which is where they interview wrestlers about what was really happening behind the scenes. So they were interviewing the Sheik about, you know, oh, who did you, this is probably where you heard him rail against Hulk Hogan. And he was very drunk and just kind of went off and used the F word a lot. Uh, Are these both. in character or is it like, no, no this is... Uh, a little, a little. Uh, so they're interviewing the him. They're interviewing him as himself, like not in character. But anyone you talk that, like I've saw, I've seen interviewed, asked about this, is like, oh no, he's just this isn't this is an act. This is his next variation of riling up the locals, which is to just sit there and just rail against people. And Howard Stern brought him in. Like he did, he did it a bunch. And it seems like, I mean, it would be the fun way to go and not just be like, well, actually it's interesting. Me and Hulk, we had a very good working relationship. You know, uh, it, it, like it's more fun to just kind of keep it going, but it sounds like this was somewhere in between. Yeah. It was, it was a little, like, it was bizarre. Like he would just, he, he hated this random wrestler named B. Brian Blair who was had no, no real prominence. Like he was a tag team. He was ever a champion or anything like that. And would just go after this guy and call him every bad name in the book, call him a pedophile. Like all this stuff is, you're just like, oh, which really just- offended the famous wrestler, the pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> Another gimmick that was very questionable, but. I'm trying to think if there ever <laughs> there was, was. If there was. <laughs> if there ever was someone that you were like, what's that guy actually Jackhammer about? Jeff Epstein. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, my, my purpose on the podcast is to derail any kind of flow. So No, I, I, someone someone out there is taking notes and is like, that's not a bad idea. It's gold. And they're like, we can't say no. That's the whole thing. We yeah. have to go with it. So yeah, he, would just, he just did these series of interviews of just ripping people and, and it's foul language and it's just like zany but like that was how he got invited to new territories to be the main heel again it's like hey come on come on this show and do this shtick where you call this guy the f-word a bunch and we'll pay you to come do that and he's oh, like cool, okay a little I'll bit of a that. network like, situation yeah yeah a little bit and so that was his kind of like late career but yeah anyone you talk to is like oh no that's not really him like he's a teddy bear he's a super nice guy interesting that's just he's putting it on i mean and then, and I, sh- and then did he just yeah. sort of eventually just quietly retire i mean he was not actively wrestling in the 2000s like to like you know he was he was more of just doing this circuit and doing interviews and doing signings and things like that it for my understanding is his knees 
didn't function at, at some like by the, the early the 2000s like he's like he could barely walk like uh, i believe the documentary that they did about him was actually done as a fundraiser to try to help him get his knee replacement surgery that he needed and i, and I, I don't know if that actually happened but yeah it, it's wrestlers once they hit a certain age it, it, there's very few happy stories it's a sure. lot of like i yeah. saw the mickey rourke movie i know yeah that was so true to the biz from my understanding, obviously, I've never been a wrestler, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting because we've talked a lot about how how much the sport is, you know, it's all it's all performative, it's all a show, and it's scripted as to who wins and stuff. But you talk about like his knees are shot, like just because it's the outcome is scripted, and it doesn't mean it's any less physically grueling on these guys. Like it really takes a toll on all of them. And it'd be one thing if they were just doing like the once a week TV shows. But I mean, you talk, you're talking over 200 performances a year on the road. It's, it's, you know, the bit from the Simpsons where the yo-yo people come to the school and it gets everyone excited about yo-yos and they're like, oh my God, you're my biggest star. And then they just like roller skate into a van and he shuts the van door. That's a pro wrestler's life. It's like, oh my God, you're a star. You're a huge guy. And it's like, get in your crappy geo metro and drive six hours to the next town with your knees and your back and your shoulders and everything hurting because you just fell on plywood for 15, 20 minutes uh, with another guy falling on top of you and then do it again and then do it again and then do it again and then do it again. And that's why there's so much um, kind of addiction to painkillers and and a lot of drug use and things like that. Well, yeah, I mean, right. You can say wrestling is fake, but gravity is not, you know, like the laws of physics are still. I don't know, Doug, there are some groups online that might make you really think twice about gravity. (laughs) I will put the links in the notes. (laughs) I feel like there's a group online that has a rebuttal for everything. Yeah, it's just a up, theory people. of gravity. Yeah. Right? It's just like, guys, just watch the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's four hours, but it makes you think. Uh, well, yeah, so maybe this is a good segue um, into the legacy of the Iron Sheik in that one of the things I'm taking away from this, of course, is just the, the genuine athleticism of this guy, that he really had that skill and brought that to the table. We've talked in the past about different sort of villains, like, oh, why they endure? Why is Dracula still scary to us and all that stuff? But I don't know. We might have approached this slightly differently, more like what is this guy's impact on the, um, you know, on the sport? I don't, know that, I, don't know that his, I don't know that his villainy endures in the way that, like, oh, yes, kids are still scared of the Iron Sheik. You know? <laughs> well, it's interesting is, like, it's been it's been duplicated so many times. Like, it, he, to my, I mean, I'm sure it was done before, but he was the first, I think on the grandest stage, like on the type of like WrestleMania-esque stage to do it so perfectly of just like walk in and rile up the crowd everywhere they go just by very simple Iran number one, USA, spit take. That was it. And it's been attempted to be duplicated so many times. And I, I don't know if anyone's ever hit it quite as well as he has. I definitely think that it's, it's been close, but like he was just really good at it. Well, you also have the benefit of, uh, you know, his kind of rivalry with Hulk Hogan because they did go up against each other more than just the one time at uh, yeah. Madison Square Garden. So you by linking the two of them, you kind of raise his profile the same way it's like, well, the Joker is awesome, but he works best opposite Batman. Like you can do a comic book where the Joker goes up against, I don't know, the Flash, and it never quite feels the same. So there's something about like you know, you build this villain alongside this hero, um, and each one feeds into the other. Yeah, 
Like I believe the Iron Sheik is in is one of the wrestlers who makes a cameo in the Goonies are good enough video. Yes, I saw Cindy Lauper does. Yeah, there's Roddy yeah. Piper. I, I, yeah, Iron yeah, Sheik. exactly. So yeah. Cindy Lauper was big in that rock and wrestling connection that uh, they were doing to kind of you know make wrestling cool. And yeah, Iron Sheik is one of I just that just popped in my head. He's one oh, of the wrestlers. Wow. I video. watched that not too long ago. Weirdly, down a YouTube uh, wormhole. <laughs> well, uh, okay. the other thing yeah. is, like you, Dan, you mentioned Glow, uh, which is uh, the gorgeous, gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Uh, it's a show on Netflix that, about a fictional group of female wrestlers during the '80s. But I think it's very telling that the main character who plays the heel within on the sh- in the wrestling show within the show, like this is the template they're using. They're you know she right. is a She's Russian, like her character is Russian, but it's the same basic bit of, you know, uh, you know, boo America as played through wrestling. And and there's a reason they went with that template. Like you said, Danny, this is the one that works. This is, you know, this is the original um, version of it. Yeah, Yeah, you don't want to have some sort of complicated backstory that you've got to work out. It's like, no, no, no. I know that's the bad flag. Yeah, but think about it, Dan. I mean, it still endures today. I'm going to stand up next to you on your soapbox for about a second. But think how well it works to rile up a regional crowd just by pointing at someone and going like, that guy hates America. I love America. People are like, what? That guy hates America? Like, you know, like how easy it is to kind of get people riled up and and moving and or voting in a certain direction just by kind of like pointing to the other person being like, that's the Iron Sheik, like essentially, you know? Yeah, well, you know, but Danny, I really am worried about the uh, the immigration caravans. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, <laughs> the Iranians. I mean, uh, Black Lives Matter. No, Antifa. No, it's the Chinese, actually. That's the ones I'm worried about. Yeah, it's it's really an everything and above uh, strategy right now. But you're right, it works. It works. Give people but somewhere to boo There's at. still, you know, you put a crowd of people in a building and you say, like a, like a wrestling arena, and you say, like, that guy hates America. And those people are going to get pissed off. That's where I live. And people, yeah. That's where I got all my stuff. I mean, it's, it, it's boy, like it's, it was such a good formula that it became like the given bit that you, like a wrestler would wait to be behind the curtain and be like, where are we? Cleveland? Okay. <laughs> Walk out. <laughs> Cleveland sucks. What? <laughs> Boo. Like that Iran became the formula. Iran on Cleveland. To, if they just really, it's called cheap heat which is uh, in the wrestling industry, which is just like, let's just make him boo this guy. Like, what? Like, there's no real cheap depth. Like you said, All right. Yeah. I like that. It's just the cheap heat of just like, where are we? Uh, your hometown sucks. I'm going to start People using that just, all the time now. This is just it, cheap it, heat. I mean, think about it. In an improv show, it's like, uh, how do you get the audience to just kind of like, hey, applaud. Like, it, that's what it is. It's just like, it's, it's like, how do you get him to boo? Just say you're from UCB. No. <laughs> 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 that's re- that's all regional it's also regional uh all right well um uh, this is another thing that we do but i don't know this is so interesting because it's like are we talking about the character we're we talking about the guy who plays him uh but the alignment danny you know you probably heard us do the the D yeah. alignment iron iron chic where do you think he might sit lawful evil neutral evil or chaotic evil i mean i think he's kind of lawful evil like i i, I don't think just saying another that his country is number one. Is yeah, like, I wonder if it's even it, evil. At a certain point, I'm like, this guy might be like in the neutral category. He's just competing. <laughs> True neutral. He's just I in mean, the middle. It evolved, and you know, his his he would co- call his opponents idiots and things like that. As a oh thing. well, like, that oh, makes him a this, villain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, exactly. it's funny. It's actually this is the first villain we've had where I'm like, he's vil- a villain by virtue of the fact that's what gets the audience excited, but he's not doing anything like inherently villainous so that's that's really kind of interesting to me 
Yeah, so I, 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 I thought about this, and I, I would have put him in, in Waffle just because. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he was a heel wrestler, so he would uh, in the match with Hogan, he like does something. And they kind of touch on it a little bit, like he like taps the toe of his boot on the ground and then kicks Hogan in the back, and it seems to affect him much more than a normal kick would. So like, there was some underhandedness to his wrestling. Like he wasn't sure. opposed to a shortcut and stuff like that. But but again, you know. We're talking about the storylines and the choices. It's really funny. Like, I, yeah. I, I, what reality are we in? You know, in a given moment here, it's like, oh, but he used to do this, but, but that was the shtick. But yeah, yeah. It sounds to me like the real villain is Hulk Hogan. It's that's what I'm sort of reading between the lines. Uh, I mean, there here. are a lot of people uh, who will say that about Hulk Hogan. Yeah, That's a lot. Of, yeah, but he did um, uh, get that insane settlement from. Uh, it was Gawker. Gawker. That's right. That insane yeah. settlement from Gawker, Oosh. which is yeah, basically took them under shut him yeah. down yeah no like not even like just straight up shut him down wow like yeah. bye gawker media yeah well yeah, that happened that. and I, I don't know if we need to do the fan casting so much unless i guess unless you've got like a wrestler that you think of like oh this guy would be like a great like uh spiritual successor to the iron sheik well i was thinking i was i was thinking about it like if you were making a movie about the person who played the Iron Sheik. Okay. And so you would and you would want to talk about the in-ring stuff and show some in-ring stuff and also show him outside. I was like trying to think of it from that way. Like okay, a I little like bit a little bit of like the wrestler, which is where you see him in persona in the ring, but you also see him, you know, outside the ring and, and things like that. And uh <laughs> I think Bob Hoskins from the Super Mario movie in the nineties is the is the ideal mustache to match his mustache. But uh I, the, the wrestler that I thought could pull it off, who is now an, an actor, is Dave Bautista. Drax oh, from the. That is a great choice. That's yeah. a great idea. You were giving away a million dollar idea. That is a great idea. Do the biopic with with Dave Batista. That's interesting. So yeah. you you approached it from the idea of like how would I cast like a, an actor or to sort of play him. I was trying to think of like, well, what if you tried to do the Iron Sheik, the new class? Like, could you find a new <laughs> a new athlete to take the on new the, the mantle? Yeah. Yeah. Um, right to to be the new uh, you know Batman Beyond kind of thing. Uh, and so yeah. I I had to go looking because I thought I think this should probably be an actual Iranian person to avoid it being a caricature. And I found this guy, and I may butcher the pronunciation of his name, but his name is Saeed, M-O-L-L-A-E-I, Molei, I I don't know how to pronounce it. But he's an Iranian-born judo champion. And he was, basically, Iran told him to take a dive in uh, a major competition, and he wouldn't do it. So he had to, essentially, leave his home country and uh, I think now he's technically a citizen of Mongolia, but he's still still an athlete. And this was in 2018 when this happened. So he's like he's kind of the right age. He's got the right skill set. And he's interestingly sort of like the original Iron Sheik was, you know, he was a citizen of an Iran that is sort of not his anymore. Uh, and I feel like he would be a good uh, assuming he had the the right stuff in terms of, you know, getting on the microphone and riling up a crowd he, i think he'd be a great iron sheik well if not we can always pair him with my manager character oh man this guy oh look out he's gonna you're, you're get you freckled child with a newsy cap yeah, exactly. Character. <laughs> exactly that's my character um, uh, i mean didn't they didn't they try I, I say they isn't this how they demonized colin kaepernick like when colin kaepernick took a knee to bring uh awareness to police brutality and they were just like, that guy hates. He hates America. He, hates, he America. hates the troops. He hates the troops. And people were just like so angry. And like, I mean, it's just. 
Yeah. yeah. And there's nothing to be said about it, Danny, other than to say yeah. that the simulation is breaking down and we're all getting dumber. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> that that would work, you know? Okay. Uh, and, oh, this is the best part, the matchup. Mm-hmm. The matchup. So who was our, was it, who was our previous one? Was it Q? Q. <laughs> this is, <laughs> I, you know, I put some thought into this because I thought, well, you've got Q is virtually omnipotent. So... <laughs> You know, this is another one. Maybe he's got a soft spot for wrestling. Maybe he really loves it. Yeah, you have to sort of do a little story crafting to try and even the odds a little bit before Q just winks him the fuck out of existence. Right, right. So, so Danny, I know you've listened to the podcast. So this is when we. Could yeah. Q do the Persian clubs? Like, does, oh! I mean, <laughs> he challenges him to the Persian he's, clubs. You know, why not? He can, <laughs> no, Doug, no. Omnipotent. He's omnipotent, so he doesn't that mean he knows everything? No, no it's he, omniscient. He can do but, um, but, right. but he, Doug, here's where you're wrong. <laughs> See, he, we, he's nearly omnipotent. By our standards, maybe he seems like he's omnipotent. But I'll tell you what, there's one thing that he can't do, and it's the Persian Club. <laughs> <laughs> Did Picard ever ask him to do the Persian Club? No. Huh? No, it's never come up. It's the, the same way they got Backland. He does the clubs. The sheik jumps him from behind, hurts his neck, and it's over. And See, it's I, on the I, what a great episode of Star Trek that would be. <laughs> I came at it from a different angle, which is that Q is... A little, not quite emotional, but you can kind of play on his pride a little bit. And I feel like the Iron Sheik's trash talking would induce Q to like, okay, hotshot, I'll either I will, you know, renounce my powers of the Q temporarily and fight you, or I will grant you the powers of the Q and we'll go at it from an even place. And then the Iron Sheik has a shot. Iron Sheik comes out, he goes, I ran number one, Q Q continuum, continuum spit take. And that just that just makes him lose all perspective. Okay, great. Uh, so, no matter what, I think it's clear that the Iron Sheik is going to win. Uh, that's what I like about these uh, scenarios. Uh, okay, I think that's that's all the stuff we we have to get uh, covered. Uh, Danny, is there anything else we should know about uh, Iron Sheik before we go? Again, I'll do a plug for this documentary, which I, I don't think any of us have seen, but it is out there. And so, this whets your appetite to know more. It is available online called The Sheik. Yeah, I don't have too much more to say about the Iron Sheik. If people out there are kind of like intrigued about the crazy stories that go on around wrestling, not necessarily in the ring, but like the world around it, check out the docuseries. Um, I just finished watching it during this pandemic called Dark Side of the Ring. It's put out by Vice. It's very well done. And I think wrestling fan or not, I think the topics are kind of broad enough to be like, oh, uh, there are multiple murderer episodes. Let's just put it that way. So there's a lot of really like, wow, there's a lot of stuff going on around this industry. And I'll uh, say, you know, if you want to, um, if you just want to have a good time, like if you, I was looking for like Iron Sheik, like history stuff or, you know, things about the character. And what I ended up getting on YouTube was just one video after the other of like other wrestlers or people from the industry. Like, oh man, have I got an Iron Sheik story? And like everybody had one, like, you know, oh, here's Rowdy Piper uh, telling a story. Here's Vince McMahon. It's anybody from that world. They've all got funny, you know, heartwarming, hilarious things to say about him. So that's a good time as well. And he's on yeah. Twitter. So if you want to follow him on Twitter, uh, go ahead. I don't know. Uh, we, we tagged him, I think, in one of our tweets. It's like Iron, uh, it's, it's, Iron it's Sheik. Something, it's it's got to be something like. It's like the underscore like Iron Sheik or something. It's yeah, not it's so not that strange. Go seek him out. Cool. Well, Danny, thanks so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. It actually did get me interested in checking some of this stuff out. So I, I might hit you up uh, on that and, and check out Dark Side of the Ring. 
Yeah, awesome, guys. This was a blast. Thank you so much. I love nerding out about wrestling. Uh, absolutely. Well, uh, uh, well I'll, I'll see you offline at some point, Danny, but I think we're, we're going to stay on a little bit longer and do our, our just our admin stuff, like, you know, the reviews and shit like that. So Yeah, which everyone should do. You should subscribe, leave reviews, all that kind of stuff. It's This podcast is very informative and very fun to listen to while I work out in my backyard. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Danny. No problem. All right, we'll yeah. catch you later. Bye. Right, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, Danny has uh, left the ring, left the stadium. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. That was really great. So as we uh, close out here, uh, we want to do some admin things. Uh, one, we really appreciate it uh, if you come and leave us a review on the old Apple iTunes. And in fact, we have three of them to read. Since we... I actually have them up on my screen too, Doug. We can do, oh, we can hand off. We can tag team, as they say <laughs> in the industry. Oh, good. So, Dan, you want to uh, kick off with Yeah, actually, I think I know this guy, uh, BTM007, BT. Thanks for leaving a review. Really appreciate it. He's been sending me messages. Uh, last I checked, I think he was on the Wicked Witch episode. So that's oh, cool. He, he sent me and, something very nice as well. So that, that's, Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice I'm just fella. glad people are listening. And um, and I do get the reference here. I think you may uh, I do. as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the title of this review is, Don't Touch It, It's Pure Evil. <laughs> Time Bandit's reference. Stuck at home and not able to talk to your friends about villains, super or otherwise. No problem. Dan and Doug to the rescue. So thanks very much, BT. Appreciate yep. it. Uh, I'll take the next one here. This is uh, uh, titled One for the Bad Guys. Uh, this is from Derelict88. He writes... A podcast but evil is a celebration of villainy. The show really shines by not focusing on just one fictional medium or history as they tackle everyone from Jack the Ripper to Cobra Commander. It's a lot of fun and easy to listen to. Give them a listen and subscribe now! Exclamation point. So, um, nice. thank you. And uh, you know, I, I know Dan. I, I think we we really do take that to heart in terms of trying to cover different territories. We certainly did something very uh, out of the box for us today. Uh, and we like jumping around to different uh, types of characters. So please do suggest stuff. We, we do have a, a place where we keep notes on things people have recommended and uh, that list is growing. So uh, we just try to it, don't get despondent. If you suggest something and we don't get to it right away, just because we're trying to, spread yeah, if you're around. getting despondent over that, I mean, that's overkill. Okay. Well, don't <laughs> feel bad. Don't we're take just, your own just, life. You know, okay. We'll get, to it. <laughs> We're just trying to you know, spread around the different types of things we cover. So uh, we, we do have these things in mind, though, and I'm sure when we when we uh, circle back, uh, we will definitely get to them because there's some great ones people have suggested. Uh, uh, and uh, we have one more review here. And by the way, not everybody likes the reviews read. So if you leave a review and, and you, you don't want us to read it, just send us a message on Twitter and say like, hey, I'm so-and-so. Uh, you don't need to read my review. But otherwise, we, we get excited to receive them. We got three this week, which is huge for us. This is from JoeCuff007, another 007. Wait a minute. Glad <laughs> Glad Dan was on Probably Science. I was. I was on the podcast Probably Science with my friend uh, Matt Kirshen. And uh, uh, so I guess they caught me there. I certainly plugged our podcast. He says, great podcast with a great hook. Doug and Dan have an easy, friendly chemistry and are hilariously frustrating with their research. Great work, guys. I read that and I tried to wrap my brain about around what he means by hilariously frustrating with their research. Does, does he mean that we're fucking it up, um, but he's enjoying it? I'm not sure, but we, uh, uh, that's one way to read it. I, I read it as like, wow, they really get in depth. 
Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah. I I take it as a positive, whatever it is, because it was a, a well, clearly a, it's a five star review. Yeah, it was a complimentary review, but I just found that phraseology to be uh, to be fun. Um, uh, anyway, and, we're way over. I'm really going to regret this when I'm uh, editing it, uh, so we should probably draw to a close here. But thank you so much for those reviews. We we really appreciate them. They do help us out tremendously in terms of visibility and keeping the podcast going. Also, please reach out to us on Twitter at podcast but evil, and we want to hear any thoughts you have about any episodes you listen to. If again, as Doug mentioned, if you have suggestions for future topics we want to hear those as well and really in fact anything, we should uh, ideas. i would say we should probably say what some of the future topics are so if you have thoughts you can get them in maybe before we record we do record these a little bit in advance so uh next week we're doing caligula uh we're gonna uh, go from a from greco-roman wrestling to a a greased up roman who loved wrestling uh and then after that we've got uh, the invisible man we're gonna do and followed by I think Mr. Burns is after that. So we've got some really fun stuff coming up in the next few weeks. So uh, if you have thoughts on those topics, send them our way and we'll cover your comments on the air. And Doug, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Mr. Burns. He was a character on The Simpsons. Yes. I know this is a not really George kind of a Burns. blind, yeah, it's a blind spot Burns. for you. I know you're not really. Yeah, I know Simpsons so little guy, about so. The Simpsons. How are yeah, we going to do so it? This is going to be tough. You're going to have a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, I think we should draw to a close here. Thanks so much for listening, folks. And as always, gentlemen to evil. Clink. Clink. Listen, lady, this is my property. Now, get out of here, you lazy American. Bomb, Iran, number one. The Sheik, number one. Follow me, Japan.